you know, I don't have the answers for how do you, you know, you know, five steps for how do you parent a kid through grief. Um, but, but I think your presence, you know, for, for, for my kids, my presence in their lives has been, um, has been the first one, at least. That might be the first step. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today you'll meet an author who's also a young husband and father experiencing grief following his wife's death from cancer. Gerald Law is our guest today, and he'll tell his story in just a moment. The people who are profiled each week on First Person come from all walks of life. Their stories are remarkable because they tell the story of God at work, transforming lives and calling men and women to faith and obedience. You'll hear Gerald's story today, but there are many more interviews archived in an audio file found at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can listen to any of these conversations on demand by clicking on the listen button at firstpersoninterview.com. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Gerald Law is the author of Spirit Fighter, an adventure tale for young readers based on images and stories from the Bible. But this author's own tale is one of heartache and sorrow mingled with the hope of the gospel. Gerald's wife, Susan, fought a long battle with cancer and now is home in heaven while Gerald and his children remain here for a little while. The most important part of Gerald's story is very personal, but we started talking about his book, Spirit Fighter. Well, the book has been a lot of fun. I, in 2009 had an idea for a book, and I'd been writing for maybe 10 years with, with honestly, very, uh, n- not very much success, but um, I began to think about, um, my, my kids at the time were 10, 8, and 5, and I began to think about uh, books that they might want to read, and, uh, and, and they were reading, in fact, some books in the, the sort of mainstream middle grade fiction world that um, are great books, but also uh, didn't have much of a, a Christian background, and I began to look around and, and wonder where where are those books that could encourage my kid but also keep their attention. Um, and at the same time, I came upon uh, a story in the Bible, uh, just a, a, sort of the mysterious passage about about Nephilim in the book of Genesis that intrigued me. It always intrigued me, but um, a story kind of uh, jumped jumped on the page for me at that point, uh, and I began to ask some what if questions. What if uh, what if Nephilim still existed in the world today? These half angel, half human creatures, and 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 what if one of them, you know, lived down the street and had kids? And what if those kids had powers uh, that that came from being part angel? And so the story was born out of out of number one, an idea that I had, kind of a spark, and number two, I wanted to write something for my kids that they uh, that they would enjoy. And quite honestly, all the success that I was looking for was that they would be engaged by the story and that they would enjoy it. So this is an imaginative adventure kind of story, right? You, and kids need this kind of genre, don't they? Well, you know, I, I when I grew up, I read, at this age, I started reading a lot of Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness, and, and just, you know, such an inspiring and engaging story for me as I thought uh, about, begin to think for the first time about what what's this spiritual world like and what is it what does it look like? And and the reality is, kids these days are reading all kinds of of, of literature, and there's a huge um, chunk of the fiction market for middle grade young adult readers. And yet, in the Christian world, they're they're just I think we've struggled lately to to, to connect uh, with these kids. And so um, there's a huge need, I believe, for for compelling stories that will illustrate 
who God is and what this life is about and the fact that it's exciting and, and there's a spiritual world that's real. And, uh, and so, um, but it can be tricky to capture, to capture their attention. You have to be already working on number two and beyond, aren't you? Well, I've been fortunate enough with, with uh, Thomas Nelson, who's been terrific, a terrific publisher, that uh, we are practically finished with number two, and I'm getting ready to start number three in this series, uh, this Son of Angels series. So, so just very excited about that. And um, for me, it all kind of came, came unexpectedly and, and a bit out of left field. But it's one of those situations where God began to open up doors uh, in front of me that... that um, that I began to walk through with this uh, with this first book, Spirit Fighter. It's been out for a little while now. Are you encouraged, surprised, uh, pleased with the reception it's getting? Well, you know, it's only been out at this point for about two months. We, we did have a, a pre-release uh, uh, connection with Walmart where they had it in certain stores, and that was encouraging to see that they wanted it. But I've also, the most encouraging thing to me is, is, is talking to my kids' friends. My kids are now 12 and 10 and 7 and uh, my older two especially uh as their friends read it and uh want to you know it's 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 just funny they want to come down and and have me sign their book or talk to them about it and and that is all a surprise to me as well as uh just an encouragement that hey you know what it's connecting with some kids and some kids that that we know and and hopefully speaking to them about um about God and about about His truth in their lives, and so so far so good. We feel really good about the way the sales have gone, and encouraged to see it continue um, to get in some kids' hands. Delighted to hear that, Gerald. Now, the reason I really wanted to talk to you today is that uh, intertwined with the writing of this book and the publication of this book is a is a personal story. And a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours, told me about a blog that you were writing. I think I started looking at it around 2010 or so. And it had to do with a diagnosis your wife received. Uh, when when did that all start to happen in your lives? Yeah, in in 2008, my wife was diagnosed with stage two uh, breast cancer, and uh, that was in February of of 2008. And it began this very um, unexpected journey for us. And uh, I mean, I mean, literally one day we're we're totally uh, fine and thinking everything is great. And the next day, uh, she has a, a test, and we get a call from the doctor, and it began this um, this journey. And and so she was diagnosed in 2008. Began treatments uh, that year, radiation and chemotherapy and surgery, and um, made it through those really, really well. And uh, and yet. Uh, had another recurrence of the of the same cancer, still still local, and uh, that took us into 2009 with treatments and and that whole process, and and so um, she continued on and and uh, really a three year battle uh, with breast cancer that that uh, every every time she turned a corner in her treatment, um, a door was you know that we prayed would be open was was shut. And and so um, she we, she had her final recurrence in the fall of 2010, where it had spread in multiple locations in her body, and and uh, her health began to spiral downhill at that point. And January 1st of 2011, uh, Susan passed away, and um, and so you're you're I mean that that is a huge part of of our story of my family's story over the past 
few years has been walking with her through that and watching her fight so bravely and gracefully and yet um, struggling with you know, with losing a spouse, losing my losing my wife, and uh, you know, we'd been married for 15 years. She was my um, uh, my partner, my wife, my my ministry uh, companion, and everything else. And 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 then, of course, with our kids, you know, the uh, uh, struggling with losing their mom and and dealing with all those things. So yes, in the middle of this writing thing, a, a much a much bigger thing was going on in our lives um, that that we were walking. Uh, walking through. In fact, um, the night I remember clearly, so clearly, the night that we uh, that she received that we received her diagnosis for the very first time, you just feel like everything's caving in. And in fact, we were sitting on my couch, and, and we 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 watched American Idol a lot, and uh, and that was one of the things we did together. And and I just remember sitting there listening to someone on American Idol sing the the, the old Beatles song yesterday, and just. Um, just falling apart and, and, and weeping as I was listening to, to those words, you know, where it says, you know, yesterday all my troubles seemed so far away, and, and now it seems as if they're here to stay. And um, the weight of, of this thing hit us both, you know. And, and so absolutely, Wayne, that's been um, an enormous part of, part of our lives, has been uh, watching her move through that and, and, and you know, seeing God in the middle of that and oftentimes wondering where he is and what he's doing and that seeing his presence and feeling his presence in our lives over and over again. So, so many stories I could tell you about that. Hmm. Oh, I, I hope we have time to tell some of those today, and I want to talk to you more about uh, the kids. But tell me more about Susan. What was Susan like? Uh, just, you know, just an amazing, beautiful person. And, and I, I, everyone that, that uh, knew her would say the same thing to to know her is to love her and if you if you knew her then you knew that she cared about you uh you knew that she put your feelings and 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 um you ahead of her uh almost almost to a fault that she was kind and always had a smile on her face and um the most some of the neatest conversations i've had about her have been with people in our neighborhood both both people who would call themselves Christ followers and people who who aren't, who would all say the same thing that she loved them, that she cared about them, and and um, she was just an amazing person. We met in college, uh, and as a part of a campus ministry at at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And the first time I saw her, she was leading worship in a campus ministry, and and I. Um, uh, I, I, I knew that she was someone special, and, and as we got to know each other that year and started dating, um, that, that was it for me. I mean, she was beautiful and, and just beautiful on the outside, but, but just radiated this beauty on the inside that, that I realized pretty soon was, um, was God's hand in her life, was, was Christ radiating through her, and um, very, you know, very attractive to me as a, as a young college student who, who wasn't sure which end was up. But, uh, you were smitten, weren't you? I was, I was. <laughs> and, um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that God, uh, you know, le, you know led our paths to cross because otherwise I'd, I'd, you know, who knows, but, um, but she was an amazing, amazing person. I miss her dearly. More insights from author Gerald Law coming up today in the second half of this edition of First Person. 
Next time we're together, you'll meet Mark Gregston, a man who has dedicated his life to helping troubled teens. I think I'm just a normal guy doing a normal thing of meeting with kids, and that's it. I don't get inflated in any arena, but I do look back at my life and I go, you know, the older I get, the more that I see that God has had a plan. A very personal conversation with Mark Gregson of Parenting Today's Teens. We'll learn the whole story next time on First Person. Writer Gerald Law is with me today on First Person. His book is Spirit Fighter from Thomas Nelson, and you'll find more information about that on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. But Gerald, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because of what your family has gone through. You have three children, right? That's right. And uh, your wife Susan passed away in January of 2011. Uh, Your kids must have been pretty young when she was first diagnosed with cancer. They were. My daughter was eight. Uh, at the time, and uh, I had a six-year-old. We have a six-year-old, and at, at, we had a six-year-old at the time, and a three-year-old. Wow. And so uh, they were all at different levels of understanding at that time of what she was going through, of of uh, you know going to the doctor a lot, of going to these treatments. You know, she began to lose her lose her hair because of the chemotherapy treatments, and that was definitely one of those things that obviously they they noticed immediately, and and is shocking to them as as kids that. Um, you know, one of those first signs that that wow, something something's wrong here, and and so there, you know, my three year old, all he really knew was her going through treatments, and so it was pretty normal for him. Um, my daughter, my 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 middle son, you know, had we had different conversations with them about about um, what was happening, and and uh, Susan's focus was always to bring a positive uh, but honest. Uh, approach to our conversations with them. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because for that three-year battle, who encouraged who the most, and in what ways? <laughs> well, it, it's such a it's such a great question, and it reminds me of um, something that she posted on her blog. She started a blog pretty early on into her treatment, but as a way to update people about her condition and also just to tell some stories that were not related to cancer because she just didn't want to be defined by by this ugly thing alone. But but one of the times that she wrote, one of the stories and one of the stories that people bring up to me the most is when she she wrote one day right after we had gotten news of a second another recurrence. Um, asking for people to to lift her up and to be uh, to have faith for her, and she referenced that story, that just amazing story of of the friends who lowered their uh, their sick companion yeah. to the feet of Jesus. I was through just the reading that in Mark, right? Yeah, I mean, what an amazing picture of of faith. And you know, you remember in that story, Jesus he commends them for the friend, for the friend's faith mm-hmm. and and he heals because he says look at look at the faith of your friends um look what they've done they've dug through this roof and lowered you know the audacity right to do something like that in front of all these other people who are trying to listen to Jesus and all of a sudden you know dirt begins to sprinkle on the on the floor and and you look up and there's a person being lowered through well susan latched onto that and and she um, she just asked people in her own humble kind of way, please be, you know, be my faith for me today because I'm struggling to have enough on my own. Now, the reality was, if you knew her, she was the most faithful person I knew 
And and so for her to to ask that was just an amazing, um, impactful thing. So who carried who through? You know, I think there were times where where my faith was an encouragement to her, and and the the strength that uh, that our kids and the resilience that our kids sh- uh, showed was an encouragement to her. But I, but I would also say, you know, as much as we lowered her to the feet of Jesus. Um, I just believe, and this is this is for my whole relationship with her, that she lowered me to his feet all the time in the way that she prayed for me and encouraged me in the way that she had faith um, for me. You know, and I would say even through the treatments to to be uh, to be an encouragement to, to that, that God's still good. You know, and in fact, one of the things that she wrote to me um, late in her. Uh, in her treatment and really late in her in her life was 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 this encouragement, Gerald, just remember that 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 um, in spite of what we 're going through, God is still good, and I want you to remember that um, and so uh, I, I think we um, we encourage one another you know but but as I look back on it, I think you know probably way more than fifty fifty she she encouraged me in the middle of her own struggle and her own pain. Gerald, sometimes we talk about loss in terms of, well, you know, you'll get over it in time. The, the, the fact is you never get over it. But yeah. what, what has life been like for this past year and a half or so with you and the kids? Well, you're right in that you never get over it. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, whenever I would hear people kind of say in, in different ways, yeah, I want to just kind of buck up and get over it. No one really said those words, but occasionally, you know, you hear that in different ways. I I go, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to get over this, but I think I'm going to walk through this. And um, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I, I feel like you don't get to choose the road that you walk on. You get to choose how you walk down it. And and so um, this this last year for me has been a lot of starts and stops, a lot of... Um, Two steps forward, one step back. Uh, a lot of days where I felt, um, quite honestly, hopeless and uh, and alone. And and then there are other days where um, I sense uh, that God hasn't left me, and that He hasn't left my kids, and that He, as as confusing and mysterious and hard as this is for us, um, that He does have a plan that he's working out and that he's going to take something awful and make something good out of it. And so um, it has not been smooth sailing by any stretch of the imagination, but I can tell you, Wayne, that as I stand here today, I'm, a, I'm in a different place than I was a year ago. Um, and, and that's good, you know, that there's, there's forward progress in, in my life and with the kids. And, and we, are, um, we are working through this and, and we're not going to let it, even, even though it has changed us and it has marked us, we're not going to let it entirely define us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, uh, so we, are, we are moving forward and moving through it in the best way that we know how. And I would also just say that, that um, more than anything we've done, it's just been an, an overwhelming sense of God's grace in the middle of it, the, almost living in this umbrella of of his goodness and grace, um, and I don't say those in a trite way or lightly. And I hope I hope people don't hear that yeah. as a Sunday school answer, because trust me, it, it it's it's not. <laughs> it's it's from the real, uh, you know, born out of this real pain of of losing um, of losing someone. Until you've experienced and, that, you can't explain it, can you? 
it's hard to explain, and I find myself, you know, struggling at times to put into words what what is this? What has this last year been like? And in, in explaining it to someone who maybe hasn't gone through it um, can be difficult. But but yeah, there's um, there's there's a there's a very clarifying and prioritizing thing that happens um, in in this for us. Well, of course, not only did you need to grieve personally, but you had to be a dad at the same time. Uh, describe that experience, and I'm sure your kids had different reactions at different times, but uh, talk about yeah. parenting during a time of grief. Well, it, it, uh, the, the good news is that it seems that we, we all have gone through different stages at different times, that we aren't all dealing with the same thing at the same time. All, all of my kids are different, and, and, and some of them internalize things a little more, and, and I, I have some that... Well, you know, my my middle son in particular will will externalize things a little more, and and it's all good. That's you know? lesson and number I, one, isn't it? That we all grieve differently. We do. In fact, as I was sitting with a, a, a counselor last year, who's become a really good friend, Roger, he just one of the things he said to me was, "I can tell you the process of grief and the stages of grief. What I what I can't tell you is what order they're they're going to go in for you." And and I thought it was a very wise thing to say, and and he helped really guide me through. Um, uh, through this last year, but also to be able to apply it to my kids and say, you know what, it's true for them too. They're going to deal with things differently. They're going to um, they're going to pretend like everything's fine, and, and and a lot of times they do feel fine, and they feel like um, you know having friends over and laughing and playing, and that's all good. And I just my goal has been to be there for them wherever they are, and to also let them know along the way that wherever they are is is okay. Like it's it's okay to cry. It's okay not to cry. It's okay to feel excited about something in your life. It's okay to be sad. Um, and uh, I, along the way, I, I don't want them to get stuck, you know, in a in a certain pattern of behavior or in a way of dealing with things that that is that is destructive. Um, but also just um, because I think that I felt the grace extended to me from others, just to to be okay with where I was and not to try to. To make it, uh, to put myself further down the road than I am. I, I, hopefully, I've been able to, to extend that to the kids and just help uh, help them. You know, when they're ready to talk about it, when they want to talk about it, encourage it, but not to force it and not to not to force them to deal with things um, that they're, maybe they're not ready to deal with. Or uh, and, and realizing this is a process. This is going to take years. Um, and like I said, it, it does mark us. You know, and def- and, and and it um, it, it will changed their lives it has changed their lives um and and so um so i think you know i don't have the answers for how do you, you know you know five steps for how do you parent a kid through grief um but, but i think your presence you know for, for for my kids my presence in their lives has been um has been the first one at least that might be the first step well, as you might imagine, there is more to this story than we have time to share today on First Person. Anyone who has experienced this kind of loss knows that there are good days filled with hope and difficult days as well. Since Susan's death on New Year's Day in 2011, Gerald has continued to write and blog about his grief experience, and we've placed a link to Gerald's own website at firstpersoninterview.com. When you follow that link, you'll be connected to more of Gerald's thoughts and perspective on what has happened in his family. There's also much more about his ministry of writing quality Christian literature for young people. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com for more. And then if you'd like to comment on what you've heard today or interact with us in any other way, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. We'd love to hear from you there. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash 
first-person interview. We're also found on iTunes as a podcast, which you can download automatically. We have a number of people we want you to meet over the summer months here on First Person. You'll find the schedule of upcoming programs online at firstpersoninterview.com. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Plan to be with us next time for First Person.